rare disease community is inspirational, brave, and empowering. Welcome to Insightful Moments, My Vibe, from PTC Therapeutics. everyone and welcome back to PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibe, where we're elevating the voices of people within the rare disease community to inspire, inform, and comfort. My name is Paula Orendash and I'm the Patient Engagement Liaison at PTC. Recently, we attended the 28th Annual PPMD Conference for Physicians, caregivers, and families affected by Duchenne muscular dystrophy. A diagnosis of DMD is often the start of a long journey. For those who are diagnosed and their loved ones, it often means the rewriting of relationships and the reimagining of what it meant to be independent. On today's episode, we talk with some individuals and families affected by DMD about how they learned to build up and maintain their independence, even when that meant learning to ask for a helping hand. We'll also hear how some amazing people from the DMD community are giving that helping hand right back. We start today's episode talking with Ben. Sometimes the most amazing help can come from somewhere unexpected. Ben gets help from someone named Davina, but we'll let him introduce her. So, Ben, I would like to welcome you to our PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibe. And so welcome. And I would love for you to introduce yourself. And we also have a very special guest. So I'd love for you to introduce our guest too. So your name? I'm Ben. Ben, where are you from? Virginia. Virginia. And Ben, who's here with you? Davina. Davina. And can you, since the audience won't be able to see her, can you explain who Davina is? She's my wonderful service dog. And so what does Davina do for you? She picks stuff off the floor when I drop them. She turns on and off lights. She opens and closes doors. So I also hear, though, that she likes to give kisses. Yes. So what is the command for her to give a kiss? Just kisses. Kisses. And look at her. (laughs) And so does Davina sleep with you? Yeah. She does. And so how long have you had Davina? Since the end of January. Can you tell me some of the commands you tell her? Sit, stand down, shake, knuckles, roll over, just to name a few. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, and does do you go um, do you go to school or are you at home school? I go to school with her. So how how are all your friends when they see her? They love her. They'd love her. Is there a certain thing a person has to ask when they want to pet Davina? Just like, can I pet your dog? Usually. So, when you're, what are your favorite subjects at school? Science. Mm-hmm. What specifically in science? You like chemistry or biology? Biology. Biology. Do you have any other pets other than Davina? 
a gecko and a snake. A gecko? My, and a... my sister has a snake. Oh, and you have a gecko. So what's your gecko's name? Sunny. Sunny. Love it. I love it. Do you like snakes? Yeah. You do? And what's the snake's name? Sakura. Sakura. So you have a little bit of everything. You have some reptiles and yeah, that's great. Well, we're so happy that you came and joined us. And I honestly want to think that Davina enjoyed it as well. <laughs> Next guest is a doctor of psychology, an Eagle Scout, a published author, and was diagnosed with DMD when he was only four. Brian tells us about his life and his quest for independence and how now he's helping others to help them find independence as well. I want to welcome you to our Insightful Moments, my vibe. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Great. I would love for you to introduce yourself and, and kind of give us a background about who you are and what you're here at the conference doing. Okay. My name is Ryan Russell. I am a life coach and I have a PhD in psychology. I uh, work with the PAC, who are part of PPMD. We're the patient adult advocacy committee so we've been working a lot with uh, teens and adult track doing a lot of private sessions just with them so that they feel more comfortable like you know mom and dad aren't there they can ask questions and maybe they'd be afraid to ask or uh, there's other things they're talking about goals but more than that is just how to keep things together because you know a disability gets pretty stressful sometimes and uh, the last thing you want to do is keep it all pent up and then have it come out at a bad time. A few more things about me. I come from a small town. My family didn't know anything about muscular dystrophy up until they found out I was diagnosed at four. That's four, that like 1986-87. And uh, they just really barely found out I caused Duchenne at the time. I pretty much lived a normal life. My dad and brothers were all kind of blue-collar workers. Cars, mechanics, you know, stuff like that, welder. Uh, I had great, I have great parents. Uh, I was born an uncle. I already had a decent nephew when I was born. But, um, you know, I never let Duchenne muscular dystrophy hold me back. I always felt like I was going to not have it someday or get over it, so I lived life like that. I'm an Eagle Scout. I graduated high school. And, uh, like, well, I hadn't planned on being in the wheelchair still. Because I thought there was going to be a cure. So I tried to figure out what to do. And it just, my local community college happened. Um, I thought, okay, I could do that. I can't exactly go up and work at the mine like my dad and brothers did. So I did that. And I decided it's not too bad. I studied anthropology. Um, at that time, this is 2004. There weren't a lot of online options at the time. So I went to Northern Arizona University. All online, got a bachelor's in bachelor's of arts and liberal studies, which doesn't help a whole lot, but still, it's a bachelor's degree. And then I got a master's of education in counseling and human relations. And 2020, I got a my my PhD in general psychology. Things were going great. 2020, whatever is bad for everybody else. 
I started a life coaching business then, started doing things. Um, my first novel, Rectify the Avenging Angel, available on Amazon. And I thought, okay, this is the best part of my life. Everything's good. I figured out what I'm going to do. My big goal, uh, my parents were 40 and 40, 42 when I was born. So my big goal in life, one of them, besides somebody like being a husband, having kids, was to support my parents and build the place I always wanted. Unfortunately, December 2020, 2020 finally caught up with me. They both fell, and uh, my dad was uh, he'd gotten dementia. And my mom had a lot of health problems, diabetes, and other things. And one thing about a mother of somebody with disabilities, especially in my case, is she gave everything she had to me. She was there, and I finally, in June, they told her she had two weeks to live. You know, everybody's always wondered, how would I act if I had two weeks to live? And um, She smiled the whole time. She was in pain. But um, the last thing she said to me, was um, because for the last five, seven years, I was doing all their internet stuff, paying the bills for them. I wasn't making the money necessarily, but I was paying their bills. Um, but I was able to keep them in the house for the, my mom was able to pass away at home. But she said, um, this is your time to do all the things that you've put off. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to do all that. I started uh, getting active with, Different uh, muscular dystrophy nonprofits. I enjoy helping people, and my ultimate goal is to get where I'm independent. I live by myself. I have a, I have an awesome living caregiver, so I live by myself now. So that's the long short st- version story of me. Well, there is so much there. That first, I I really want to start with congratulations, Dr. Russell. Thank you. <laughs> so the 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 accomplishments. Um, I would love to go back and kind of talk about what, what inspired you or who inspired you? Like what kind of put you on this path, especially now seeing all those dreams and now being a life coach and independent. So can we go back a little and talk about the inspirations and, and what kind of kept you on this path? So in my life coaching, I like positive psychology, so I use a lot of that. And you learn that that a lot of people are more positive, or you know, more prone to positivity or op- or pessimism, which anybody can learn to become optimistic and positive. But um, I just was very fortunate to be born that way. I've always been able to find the silver lining to bad things. I was real close to my grandfather growing up who uh, he actually passed away on my ninth birthday. But um, I think he helped. Uh, my mom, of course, was there, helped me every way she could. My dad worked, so he wasn't able to help quite as much. But I always had my mom there to help me go on field trips and do a lot of things. So she inspired me. It's hard to really pinpoint just one person. I was very active in church active with Boy Scouts, so I learned to give service to other people. Uh, it has been kind of hard at times, and, you know, now that I'm more advanced, I can't give physical service like I used to, but 
there's other kinds of service I could do. Yeah, and, and I'd definitely say my religious beliefs are a big influence, but other than that, it's really hard to say just any one particular person. I just kind of feel like I was born with it. Also, I'd say I have four brothers, but one of my brothers, David, is, is always like lives pretty close to me. We've always been very close, so he's helped me with. I basically, I kind of feel like he's my Samwise Gamgee. I've got a few Samwise Gamgees in my life, but man, I don't know why I'm getting emotional here. But anyway, but you know, I've got a few of those, so. It's okay to get emotional. It just shows the heartfelt feelings, right? Right. So I think that's, that's. Um, right. Yeah. All emotions know, are good. All They're emotions good are good. That's right. So I think that it is wonderful that you're giving back, especially, um, you know, your experiences, your, your career choice. And now you're here talking to young adults and teens. What do those conversations look like? What are you hearing? What are the common threads of concerns and thoughts from the young adults here? You know, every, there's fears behind a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the thought of what's normal, I want to be normal, which we're trying to say that, you know what, you're normal is you're normal. You don't need to be somebody else's normal. Um, and a lot of things, you know, they're not saying too many things. Uh, there was one, we talked, you know, discussions about relationships. That's a very scary thing. That, uh, we had three successful interable relationships talk. I think just the thing um, we talked about, that everybody just kind of worried about how people perceive you. and You just have to know that there's people out there that will treat you like anybody else. They can look past the disability. And the ones that can't do that, well, they can learn. But just a lot of it is just fear of the future, too. I hope that seeing the PAC members, seeing me, hey, that guy can be a doctor. I can, too. So I hope that, you know, tell them that I could do anything, especially with online stuff now. I had to search for five years to find an online PhD program, and it's so accessible now, so that's great. How about conversations with parents? I've talked to several parents so often. Even when I was diagnosed, my parents and my brother, David, were all there. and. Uh, the doctor told about it, explained about it, that I'd have a shorter life, and they all cried. The doctor's like, whoa, whoa, hey, you don't need to cry. I've had patients live to be 18. It's like, wow, that's, thanks, that's so much better. But, um, so there is always that fear. And even now, um, somebody, you know, we don't know exactly how long we're going to last. But doctors, I've talked to two uh, parents of, newly diagnosed children, two and four. And uh, they had fear. The doctor, you know, they knew the prognosis. And we did some advocacy work with PPMD. Uh, there was a 37-year-old, uh, me, a 39-year-old, and somebody that's in their late later 20s. And these parents were just shocked to, to meet us that we're living this age. I just think it's good to see that, hey, I could last longer. But I tell people, Told so many is, you know, you don't. Doesn't matter how long you have, as long as you're going somewhere. So I would love to talk a little bit about your life coach business and how that looks outside of this conference. Like, tell me a little bit about your 
your business and how that experiences. Okay. I plugged my book. I should have plugged my business. Well, I'm giving you that opportunity. I appreciate that. Uh, So I call it Life on Positivity. So uh, I have a website, lifeonpositivity.com. I don't actually focus on disabilities. I focus on anybody. I have what I call the 2.0 program, which basically means if you've got a big goal or a dream, um, I feel like I can help you become the 2.0 version of yourself to achieve that. You don't have to let things stop you. So I use a lot of positive psychology. I kind of want to say, without saying it, look, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Can I tell you my 2.0 moment? You can tell me anything. I had a van. I've always had a full-size van. And we had a lifted back. And I always thought, ah, that's good enough. I don't need anything else. Um, I'm not going to drive a minivan. That's a, that's a, you know, that's dorky. I don't need a minivan. But one time I was here, uh, I live in Arizona. I was in Tucson visiting my neurologist with a friend. And I said, you know what? Let's go look at this uh, place with handicap accessible vehicles. Just, you know, because we tried one out is this uh, Chrysler Town and Country Black 2013. But the greatest thing was I could roll, come in the middle, and you could take out the passenger seat, and I could ride in the front. Mind you, I haven't ridden in the front of a vehicle since I was like 18 years old. So probably, you know, 18 years at the time. This was uh, 2019. I rode in the vehicle, sat in front, and when you're in the back of a vehicle, kind of in the middle, you only see about half of what's outside. You can't see much out the front. And as I rode in that vehicle and saw all the sky, saw the road, saw everything, um, like, I teared up. And I thought, you know, what's holding me back from this? It's because you can only make so much money. So I'd try to get a job. Oh, that I make too much money. I can't do your job. I can't do part. You know, they don't want to do part-time. And I decided then and there, at that five-minute ride, that I'm going to change my life. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm going to do whatever it takes. What um, do you want the community of families who live with Duchenne, what is like a, um, a message coming from all your experiences that you would like for them to know? First, as I've said before, None of us know how much time we have. So for you parents out there of newly diagnosed children, just remember there's parents out there right now that are going to have a child get diagnosed with cancer. They have no warning, no idea whatsoever. So there's one place you can be thankful that you do know. You may We may not know how much time any of us have. None of us do. Tomorrow, something might happen to any of us. So just remember that. Uh, treat it like anything else. Just give yourself as much time. One thing, important thing to do, is let your child fail. I succeed. I've had a lot of successes, but you know what? I've had failures too. But those failures taught me to get back up and to keep going. Um, there were times that it was hard for my mom. Uh, she later told me years later that. So I was like, you know, I'm glad you always let me do it again. I said, yeah, but you could didn't know how many times I cried. 
So a lot of parents, it's very easy when you know your child's sick to say, I'm going to do things, I'm going to make sure they have a happy life. But in the long term, I learned parents are, may not always be there and will need to be independent at some point. So without learning to fail at a young age, with small things, when we get older and we fail at something big, we're not going to know how to handle it. We're going to be lost. So no matter how hard it is, I mean, there are some things, you know, if your child's to the point where they can't stand and walk by themselves anymore, you know, don't let them fail it. You know, catch them. They're going to. Uh, the other um, messaging I would love to hear from you, from your your thoughts is, especially having uh, siblings, we've talked with other uh, siblings of, of who have brothers with Duchenne. Um, what are some of the things that you are you are able to talk to them about and helping them cope? The first thing is you should know about my family. My brothers, and I have one sister, they were 15 to 22 when I was born. So, you know, I don't know too much about... Uh, like my sister, we didn't really get close till a few years ago because, you know, she's out of the house, had kids. But I've had a lot of nieces and nephews that spent a lot of time at the house. One nephew in particular, uh, he was born when I was 17. And those first few years, he uh, lived with us. He was there every summer. I mean, so far, he's the closest thing I have to his son. And, um, uh, just, you know, I'm really close to him. I'm close to all my nieces and nephews. I have some great nieces and nephews now. Even a great, great. But, um, those are the ones that actually showed me that they treated me like normal. My, uh, one of my nieces wanted me to go to her class one time in second, third grade. And it wasn't because I was in a wheelchair. It's because she thought I was cool. And all the other kids were like, Oh, it's so weird. He's in a wheelchair. Said, what do you mean? He's my uncle. That's not weird. That's normal. But uh, the biggest thing my siblings have done for me is just help and nieces and nephews help me feel like a normal person. Because people that don't know look at you a certain way. And, but your siblings, you always know that they know who you are. Yeah, my nieces and nephews know who I am. I'm not the weird guy in a wheelchair. I'm their uncle. I think that's just the biggest thing. Try to treat your sibling with the has to shed or anybody, you know, any disability. Just try to treat them like anybody else. So we talked earlier about who, you know, was your inspirations, but it sounds like you are quite the inspiration for a lot of nieces and nephews. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I have some great ones. So the, well, I love the fact that it is coming full circle for inspiration because there's nothing better than that, right? I think the biggest thing is I didn't, I didn't really know. I've always wanted to make my mom proud, so everything I did to make her proud. And when she passed away, I told my sister, well, well, I still try to make her proud. You know, I had more to do. I had this and that. I was going to do my book and, you know, make build their house. And she was like, you didn't need to do any of that to make her proud of you. She's been proud of you for forever. And uh, just because of my positive outlook on life. And uh, I can always make her smile. One of the great things about this is I was able to live with my parents for almost 40 years. And every day, hear their stories, 
And how many people get that experience to know their parents like that? So that's one thing that I want to change for the world is how I got to know them. And uh, they both got to be my best friends. The greatest thing my dad ever said was, uh, it's time for me to go to my high school reunion. And, you know, at the time, I didn't feel like I had much to show for it. I had, I didn't have a PhD. I had a master's degree. Yeah, I, but I still felt, well, I don't have much to show for it. Wasn't really doing the kind of job I wanted to do, and I was actually kind of didn't want to go, kind of scared, but yet, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do it. And my mom later told me when they dropped me off. Yeah, I had to get dropped off and picked up by my parents. I went into the door. I was kind of a little nervous. I hadn't really been out as much as I used to at the time. As I uh, went in, my mom told me what my dad said. And uh, she said, what a man. There goes a man. So uh, that meant a lot to me. Uh, so your your parents obviously, you know, raised an, an amazing man, an inspirational man. And I'm sure they're so proud of you. And obviously you're carrying their legacy as you are doing this, you know, amazing work in the community and setting goals. I think it's incredibly important for any person with a rare disease, any person without a rare disease right. to see. My big thing, I think there's two factors. You need to have hope and purpose. All of us need to have purpose in life. Um, I think of it as, say, we're on a, you know, U.S. highways, interstates have the mile markers, and we're trying to get to an exit at mile marker 100. We start at 100. And we can just keep going. We get to our target where we want to go. And, uh, you know, we, that's great that we get there. But the problem is, what did we pass up? Uh, let's say there was a sign that says, come here to view this blooming flower. It's the most beautiful flower, beautiful scene in the world. It only happens one, one time in a hundred years. Well, don't be so caught up on your purpose and getting there that you pass that up. I mean, like my PhD, it took me a little bit longer than most people, but I enjoyed the view, and that's the big thing. Just have that purpose, but also don't forget to live life. I think that the moment you described was sitting in the front seat, right, for the first time since you were 18. Right. And and seeing the view from the the passenger seat as opposed to the middle or the back, right? Right. It's just freedom. A whole different view. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to let us know your websites, your let's, let's get all of that in, in, out into the atmosphere as well. So, um, and I, I think you mentioned um, Twitch and so let it go. Let us know about everything. Ryan. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see if I can remember it all. So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Ryan J. Russell 1, to find out more about some of my professional stuff. Website, lifeonpositivity.com. And anybody out there, if you ever want to ask me a question, you can probably reach me through there or email Ryan at lifeonpositivity.com. I'm always happy to answer questions. Uh, Life on Positivity is on YouTube. I haven't been as active on there of late. 
I stream on Twitch as Ryan J. Russell. I um, do a lot of different things. Sometimes I do talk things. Uh, if you stay tuned to that, you'll find out about another Twitch project I have going with one of the nonprofits. I'm on Facebook. You can find me there probably, although there's a million Ryan Russells. It's like, it's a super common name. Um, I'm on Twitter, Life with Positivity, or Ryan J. Russell Gaming. I'm sure I'm missing a few, but those are the big ones. I hope everyone finds you at, at least one of those many places. So thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Great. We're so glad you came. So it was such a pleasure and a joy. everyone for listening to this episode of Insightful Moments, My Vibe, and for supporting voices within the rare disease community. Thank you as well to everyone who shared their stories on today's episode. Please visit our website at www.ptcinsightfulmoments.com for more stories and resources. If any of the stories resonated with you today, Please let us know by leaving a review wherever you're listening or by sharing this show with a friend. I am Paula Orendash, and this has been Insightful Moments, My Vibe from PTC Therapeutics. Yeah.